Back in the early 1990s, I was a kid, around 13 at the time of this incident, and I used to stay at my grandparents' house a lot, out in a rural area in southeastern Arkansas. When I say very rural, I mean that it was a series of network dirt roads to get out to their house. The closest neighbors besides my aunt and uncle, who lived about a quarter of a mile up the road, were over a mile and a half away. The closest town was a 10-mile trip. It's in the middle of farmland and mostly woods. They had lived in this house since my mother was a child, and had both grown up just a ways down the road. Anyway, there was a general store, roughly three to four miles down the network of dirt roads. This was your typical country general store, ran by an old lady and her husband, and its only customers really only consisted of the people who lived out there in bumfuck Egypt. One day, my grandmother asked me if I wanted to walk to the general store and get her some milk, eggs, and a few other miscellaneous items, and I told her I would. She gave me some money, and I headed on my way. It was fairly early in the day, and I had plenty of time to get back before dark, which I always made sure to do when I was out roaming about. Things can get mighty creepy out in the backwoods of Arkansas after nightfall. It's a darkness unlike most people who have lived primarily in cities or towns have ever experienced. Me, being a 13-year-old, had poor time management skills. I stopped at the bottom of a hill next to a small wooden bridge you have to cross and messed around at the creek catching crawdads and such. And I kind of just messed around the whole way to the store. By the time I left the store, I realized it was quickly approaching dark. This was fall and darkness set upon the land pretty early in the day. I didn't want to be walking those lonely, secluded roads through the woods, alone in the dark, so I hurried as fast as I could, running and sprinting as much as possible. But it wasn't enough. By the time I had made it back to the bottom of the hill near the bridge, it was almost completely dark, and there was an eerie sort of glow, brought about by a very bright, nearly full moon that was rising. At the top of the hill, the road was perfectly straight and flat, with woods on the left side and a large field on the right. About a half mile up from the top of the hill is my grandparents' house, and you can see it from there. As I top the hill, I can see the faint glow of the lights at their house, and I feel a sense of relief because I was kind of freaking out a little bit, but knowing I was so close and could see the house offered a little bit of comfort. The field on the right was somewhat illuminated by the glow of the moon, and my eyes had adjusted to the darkness rather well at this point. As I walked up the road, I hear something from the left, behind me on the wooded side of the road. It sounded like leaves being rustled. I turned to look, and I saw nothing at first, but then, as my eyes begin to focus, I see something in the ditch. A black shadowy shape slowly moves toward me. At first, I thought it was a dog. But then, I realized it was much too large to be a dog. And then, I realized it wasn't actually walking on four legs. It was crawling, like a person would. I stared for a moment, out of sheer confusement, trying to figure out what I was seeing. And then, a jolt of fear shot through me as it dawned on me that whatever this thing was, it had been trying to sneak up on me. At that exact moment, this thing stood upright out of the ditch on two legs, like a person. It had the shape of a human, long arms, legs, and was proportioned as such. It stood roughly seven to eight feet in height, and was completely covered in a black or maybe dark brown hair. Its face was dark in color, but I can't recall seeing much in the way of features due to it being night. It was no bear for certain, or any other kind of animal I had ever seen for that matter. I immediately dropped the bag of stuff I had been carrying and bolted as fast as my legs could take me toward my grandparents' house. I heard a heavy breathing, guttural growling kind of sound behind me, and I heard this thing's footsteps running behind me on the gravel as it gave chase. I didn't turn around, and was certain that it would grab me at any moment. I then heard it crash off into the woods, 
and let out an earth-shattering and ungodly scream, unlike anything I'd ever heard before or since. I'm positive this thing could have easily caught me had it wanted to, but for some reason, it let me go. By the time I reached my grandparents, my heart felt as if it would explode from the combination of the adrenaline rush I had from being scared beyond any type of fear I'd ever felt before or since, and full-on sprinting as hard and fast as possible for about a straight half mile. I flew into the house, and in an incoherent mess of hyperactive gibberish, tried to explain to my grandparents what had just happened. My grandmother didn't really seem to believe me, but did believe something had scared me, and acted rather weird about the whole thing. She tried to convince me it was just a dog or some other animal. The next morning, I woke up and found my grandpa sitting outside, whittling wood underneath the shade tree in the front yard, as he often liked to do. I went and sat down beside him in one of the old metal lawn chairs. He was a very rational man, down to earth, and had grown up and hunted that area his entire life. He knew every square inch of it, mapped into his mind. He knew every type of critter and creature that lived in those woods, what noise they made, where to find them, how to catch them, etc. I had only been hunting with him for a couple of years, but had been going out into those woods with him since a pretty young age on walks and such. He had passed a lot of his knowledge down to me during those adventures. I spoke to him about what had happened to me the night before, and told him that I knew what I saw. It wasn't my overactive imagination. I wasn't making it up, and it definitely wasn't a dog. He knew that I wasn't just some dumb 13-year-old kid, and he knew that I knew the things he had taught me. He stopped whittling, looked me right in the eyes, and said, I know what you saw. I've seen it before, too. There's things out in them woods that people don't understand, and that a person ought not go fooling with. I remember those words clearly to this day, because it gave me affirmation, but at the same time, it made me realize whatever I'd seen was very real in existence and beyond my understanding. My grandpa then went on to tell me that far back in the woods, there are some cliffs, and at the bottom of those cliffs is a cave. He told me that the cave is where the creature lived. He had once stumbled upon it a long time ago when he was hunting. He said he was standing on top of the cliff looking at it, and when a creature fitting the same description emerged, and began screaming wildly at him and throwing rocks. He said he took a shot at it, missed, and then this thing gave chase to him. But my grandpa was on top of the cliff, so in order to get to him, this thing had to go around a pretty good distance and then up, which he said it quickly began to do, so he hightailed it out of there in a hurry. He said the whole way back home, he felt as if he were being watched, and kept hearing twigs snap behind him, and he was certain that it was following him, stalking him. He made it home, and as he reached his front porch, he turned and looked back at the woods from where he came, and saw it peeking out at him from behind a tree. Later that night, he said that he and my grandmother awoke in the early morning hours to large rocks being thrown at the house and ungodly howling noises from outside, and this thing trying to get into the house. He said he could hear it walking around on the front porch, rattling the doorknobs, banging on windows, and it sounded like it was muttering to itself, in a low deep garbled voice, but it didn't sound like a language, just a bunch of gibberish. After a while, the thing went back to throwing some more rocks and howling, so my grandpa grabbed his shotgun and fired it out the front door a few times into the darkness, in the direction of the howling, and said he heard it run back into the woods. He didn't know if he did it or not. He said that was the last he'd ever seen or heard from it, but over the years, an occasional farmer's cow would be mutilated, or someone's hunting dog would go unexplainably missing, or someone would have a story about some strange creature they'd seen. He also said it scared my grandmother beyond words, and she absolutely has refused to ever talk about it, or even acknowledge that it happened, which explains her acting weird about it when I told her what happened to me. 
I know it's a pretty far-fetched story, and you can believe it or not, it makes no difference to me. I know what I saw, and my grandpa knew what he saw, and neither of us have ever felt the need to convince anyone else of it. In fact, until today, I have never actually spoken of it to anyone other than my grandpa, and he passed away roughly 10 years ago. If anyone has ever driven in Alabama, then you know it can be a creepy state to drive through. I'm not sure where to start. I've had a few experiences with the paranormal, which I plan to post here as I find the time, but this is my only cryptid experience. I'm not sure what we witnessed, but we got a good look at it in broad daylight. This sighting happened just before noon. My girlfriend and I had some time off work, so we decided on a much needed getaway for a long weekend. This was early 2019, late January or early February, so it was pretty darn cold. That being said, if you know anything about the southern USA, it doesn't get that cold. This was just one of those rare days when it was 30 or 40 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm just trying to compile all the events surrounding the sighting, so bear with me here. We were on a highway in a swampy area. I have no idea the exact location, but I can say it was southern Alabama and close to Mississippi. There were lots of bridges. I wish we could have gotten pics, but the car was moving around 60 miles per hour when it happened. My girlfriend cries out for me to look, and I turn my head to get a glimpse of a grotesque looking creature. This thing was hunched down on all fours, possibly eating something. This all happened so fast, but I slow down and get a better look. All of a sudden, the thing stands on two legs and has a humanoid figure, all except the head. The head was goat-like, but it had the body of a man. There were horns, and overall, the head resembled that of a light-colored goat. The creature started back toward the woods, and we continued with our trip, but we couldn't stop talking about what we had just witnessed. I cannot be 100% sure of what we saw. This all happened so fast. My girlfriend swears it was a man with a goat head, and I'm certain that I saw the same thing. If anyone has any insight into cryptids of this type, or a similar sighting, I'd be glad to hear. I figure this might be the place to post this. It's been almost 10 years, and I still have no idea what this was. I was working in North Carolina for a nationwide door-to-door -door sales company. Our office was in Lenore, and I lived just north of Hickory so my commute was country highways and back roads mostly. One night, in the fall, I was headed home around 11pm, riding my motorcycle as I always did, and I noticed what I thought was my shadow alongside of me. It stayed in the same spot parallel to me for a few miles. I kept glancing over at it as something wasn't right, until it dawned on me. The moon was on the wrong side for it to be my shadow. It looked as big as me in a dual sport, but more feline shaped. I turned off a side road to head home and didn't see it anymore that night. The next night, about the same time, riding home through the same wooded stretch of highway, I saw the same shadow. This time, no moon as the sky is overcast. I was thinking that this wasn't normal and I sped up. It kept pace with me. When I get to my turn, I make the right hand turn and watch it cross the highway with me. It looked solid black. I would say it was built more like a large breed bull than feline, but the size of a lion or tiger. I noped the hell out of that area and got home faster than usual and never saw it again. I asked around to coworkers and customers about any local tribal legends or stories but no one had heard anything like it. Any ideas? This was early autumn, just east of Lenore, North Carolina, which is northeast of Asheville, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. I've seen unexplainable things before and since, 
but this one just had an uneasy feeling about it. Thanks for listening. I hike a lot, and this past winter, I saw footprints I couldn't explain. I live in Arizona, not far from the Navajo Reservation. I am Navajo. In the middle of nowhere, there are ruins of an abandoned house. There is no roof, just adobe walls, a dried up old well, and a dilapidated travel trailer. Somebody broke into the travel trailer long ago, and pack rats built nests inside the trailer. I've never been inside the trailer because I avoid mouse droppings due to hantavirus fears. I use the abandoned house and travel trailer as landmarks in my hikes. So this past winter, I went on a hike. At the abandoned homestead, I saw footprints of a small child. No adults and nothing else. The footprints were 5 inches long and 3 inches wide, and they looked like the soles of sneakers or something a child would wear. I also saw evidence that the child dug around inside the travel trailer, taking out things from within. There was a hodgepodge of household items lined up neatly in a row. Steel skillet, hammer, roofing nails, old Coleman fuel containers, old-fashioned glass bottles, etc. Wondering if I was seeing the tracks of a runaway or lost child, I decided to track the footprints. The tracks led away from the homestead, across the plains, and up the side of a mesa. Three miles away, the tracks intersected a dirt road. At the dirt road, I found tire tracks from a car. The car was parked parallel to the dirt road. The child's footprints walked to the driver's side of the car and got in. The car tracks then did a three-point turn and headed back in the opposite direction. Confused about the tracks, I visited my elder. I relayed my story, and my elder offered an explanation. He told me that I tracked a skinwalker. He also told me they have the ability to make their bodies and footprints small. He told me a story of how the magic works. He said the skinwalker was probably looking for something of value inside the ruins. My boyfriend and I are travelers and live in our van. I am from upstate New York and he's from Manhattan. I've been living like this for over five years now, and have seen a lot. One of the best parts about this lifestyle is the people you get to meet from all walks of life all over the world. Needless to say, we have had a lot of exposure to different people, and we aren't easily scared by strange behavior or differences. A lot of times, we will camp in national forests, but there are also plenty of nights we spend in Walmart parking lots and Home Depots, and anywhere we can find with overnight street parking. The latter has brought us to some sketchy areas where other homeless people camp in bum camps and whatnot, and obviously hardcore drug use in some of these areas is a real thing. With that being said, a few weeks ago, we were kicking it in Denver and went downtown to the Rhino District, off of Laramar, I believe, and were looking at the murals and street art and taking pictures and generally just chilling. It was almost midnight, and we ended up in an alley behind an old Catholic church when we saw the feet and blankets of someone sleeping in the doorway. Now, as another person on the street, even though I don't live the exact same lifestyle as people who have to sleep super public like that, I still empathize as much as possible and try to give them respect and privacy. Like, I don't grill them while they're laying there, because I can imagine how uncomfortable and demeaning that would be to wake up to. So as we begin to pass this person, I keep in the forefront of my mind not to stare, and I prepare myself that they might be asleep or they might be awake and looking at us, and not to get startled. This person was laying in a maybe three foot indent in front of an entrance to an old factory behind this Catholic church. No matter how prepared I try to get myself, and no matter how much exposure I have to other people on the street, I could not help but get a surge of adrenaline and fear when we passed by this lady. As we got closer, I glanced over and she was sitting up, slouched in the corner looking right at us. To me, she looked like she could have been native or Hispanic. Her skin was a mix of brown and gray, and she had long, tangled black hair. 
but what I remember most is her eyes. They were huge and bugged out, and seemed like they were painfully strained, and you could see her lips pull back to show her teeth effortlessly. She had a blank expression on her face the whole time we walked by. I feel like this is a good place to mention that after spending time on the west coast, you get crazy accustomed to tweakers and general meth antics. You can usually always tell when someone has lost themselves to meth, and it is a special kind of crazy, but crazy all the same. You can feel when someone has lost themselves to this drug, and the decaying and neglect of their bodies is very apparent. With that being said, this woman did not give off druggy vibes. She didn't look ill and frail because of drug use, and she didn't seem to be fueled by drugs. She genuinely looked sick, like terminally ill type sick. The most fucked up part of this is what she said to us as we walked by. Shane was on my left side, my little husky was clipped to me in between us, and the lady was sitting on the ground to my right. And as we passed by, and I noticed she was making eye contact, I gave her a soft, gentle smile and looked down. I don't know what Shane did to her as far as facial expressions and acknowledgement goes, but as we started to pass her, she says in a soft, serious voice with no inflection at all, What is it called when you don't believe in God anymore? And Shane quickly responded, I think that's agnostic. And we just kept walking. As soon as we got out of earshot, I was like, Shane, what the fuck? Why did that scare me so much? And he was like, you're okay. It was just a homeless person. It's no big deal. I had a feeling she was going to scare you though, but it's okay. And we kept walking down the alley. At this point, I let Bobby, my husky, off her clip so she could walk on her own. And she just followed behind us quietly. She never barked throughout the whole ordeal or acted scared at all. And she's losing her eyesight a bit, but I have seen it heighten her other senses. And she knows when things are fucked up, or if someone wants to hurt us, and will bark, and go into defense mode. She went through this whole encounter with nothing. We leave the alley, and are in front of these old apartment buildings. They remind us of something you'd see in New York, or even New Orleans. Totally project looking, almost shotgun houses, and completely out of place for gentrified ass Denver. We saw them as we drove by before this happened, and instantly felt drawn to them because they were so out of place. There was a kid's jungle gym placed on top of a bush in front of a house, which was distinct as fuck, but we didn't mention it until later. And there was a haze of a flashing TV screen, and someone screaming in one of the houses through the open door. And this was all across the street from the old ominous Catholic church. It was just the dark alley, the lady, the creepy church, the foreign houses, the supposed presence of children, and the soft hazy lighting from the streetlight above that was such a mindfuck that it didn't feel like we were in Denver anymore. Or, I hate to be this guy, but like we weren't in 2020 anymore. Later on that night, we got back to the van, and Shane told me that woman actually terrified him, and that he knew I was scared, but had to act like everything was okay for me so I didn't lose my shit. He said it was just as unnatural as I felt, and that he doesn't think we saw a person. When he said that, I flipped out, because that's exactly what I thought too. It was unsettling how we both felt the same thing at the same time, and didn't realize it until later on when we discussed the situation. This happened in Venice, California. So last night, we were sleeping in the van by the dog park near the boardwalk, and Shane was staying up doing some art stuff in the van. The way our van is set up is on the left side we have a big long window and then the driver's side window uncovered. Shane heard someone's feet shuffling and dragging and was curious which tweaker was walking by and looked out the window to see someone passing by. This was about 2am and he saw a lady wearing a black beach hat resting on top of her head with really thin balding hair so much that you could see her scalp underneath. She turned her head to the side and tried to look through the big window, and it felt like she could see through the window, but simultaneously, not looking at anything in particular. Her eyes were really deep set and sunken in, and it seemed like she hadn't slept in a while, but she didn't seem to be on any drugs. 
Her skin was pale white, and she seemed to be in her 70s or so. She was really frail and dressed to go to the beach, which was strange because it was so late at night, dark, and chilly for Venice at nighttime. It felt like she wanted people to think that she was going to the beach. She was talking to herself, but it wasn't audible, and was no human language he's ever heard. It sounded like radio tuning or something. Like a strange frequency of radio tuning. She didn't notice him, even though they were a few feet away from each other. And she wasn't angry or anything like that. It just felt like she was trying to deceive him. The craziest part is there's a plastic divider in between the two windows. And when she walked away from the big picture window, Shane could hear her footsteps. But she never passed by the front window. She didn't cross the street or go behind the van or anything. She walked straight and he never saw her past the second window. I'm so glad I wasn't awake for this shit, because I would have totally lost it. As soon as I woke up in the middle of the night, and he told me what happened, I instantly got chills. I don't know what to think about this at all, but I would love to hear your theories. Thanks for listening. This story is definitely going to be hard to believe. But it's 100% true. It's a story that I've told very few people in real life, because I know how crazy it sounds. I know people here have had weird experiences too, and a lot of you know more about folklore and entities than I do. Hopefully, some of you can help explain what I saw. I'd love to hear your theories. This occurred when I was 11 or 12. I'm 28 now, and I was staying the night at my friend Danny's house who lived just a few houses down from mine. There was a large pond behind our neighborhood, and we spent a lot of time there growing up. We go fishing, ride bikes, explore the small forests, etc. But we really enjoyed catching turtles and tree frogs. It might sound weird, but what can I say? We had somewhat of an obsession with reptiles and amphibians. Another thing I should note is that there's an old Native American trail that went through the backyards on our street. It wasn't the Trail of Tears, but it was related to it in some way. I don't really remember. Back to the story. I was up late playing video games with Danny, and after a while, we wanted to do something else. It was close to midnight, but we decided to go out and try catching some tree frogs. A family that lived in a nearby house had gone on vacation, and they had a perfect backyard for catching frogs. We hopped their fence and started exploring. Almost immediately, I started getting a weird feeling. I had the feeling we were being watched or something was nearby and there was this odd energy in the air. I don't really know how to explain it, but something just felt off. I remember feeling afraid, but I had no reason to be. We had done this kind of thing many times before and it never inspired fear. About 10 minutes in, we thought we could hear the frog saying help me in a croaky froggy voice over and over again. The weird thing was, we couldn't see any tree frogs with our flashlights and the yard wasn't that big. They started chanting in unison and that made it much louder. Feeling more than a little creeped out, we bolted out of there and back to the street. Now, we were standing under a street light on the street corner across from where the frog house was. I looked up at the light and noticed at least 15 dragonflies attached to each other like a human centipede. They were all doing a spiraling motion as they flew closer and closer to the light. It was weird. So, we heard and saw two unusual things, but you could possibly explain them away. What happened next, however, made absolutely zero fucking sense. After the dragonflies did their thing and flew away, Danny and I remained standing under that streetlight. We began talking about the strangeness of the frogs in particular. We both heard them croaking the same phrase, and we were pretty much just saying what the fuck was that about. At some point during the conversation, I was instantly overcome with the most intense adrenaline rush that I've ever had in my life. That feeling of fear without a source while at the frog house was back, but much, much stronger. 
It was like my fight or flight response was signaled for no reason. Once again, everything felt off and it felt like there was an intense energy all around us, making the air heavy. I was terrified and I found out later my buddy was feeling the same thing. I became as still as possible, listening intently to my surroundings. I didn't hear anything unusual, but I suddenly began to feel drawn to look at the street behind me. I knew something was there. Whatever was behind me was the source of my fear, and it was putting out overwhelming energy with its presence alone. I hesitantly turned around and looked. A side note, I have full body goosebumps just recalling this. In the middle of the street, about 20 yards away from us, there was an ordinary looking 5-7 to seven year old girl with long, dark black hair wearing a white nightgown. She was sitting Indian style on the street pavement with a doll on her lap and she was combing the doll's hair with a hairbrush. I was pretty much terrified beyond imagination. I was frozen with fear and could barely think straight. There was an incredible amount of energy in the air and I knew something wasn't natural. She looked innocent enough, but I felt like she could snap me in half with the snap of her fingers if she really wanted to. Another creepy detail was that she never even looked at us. She kept her head down and focused on her doll, but she definitely knew that we were watching her. After what felt like an hour, realistically, probably 15 to 30 seconds, a car turned onto the street and began heading down the hill toward the girl. I remember the headlights getting brighter and brighter as it approached her. You would think, maybe I would try to save her real quick, but I legitimately couldn't move. Also, I didn't really expect her to get hit for some reason. I never felt like she was in any sort of danger. Eventually, she became lost in the car's headlights, never looking up from her doll this whole time by the way, and the car just passed right through her without any sound of a collision. It stopped at the stop sign 15 feet from us and made a right turn. We took our eyes off of where the girl was as we watched the car turn. When we looked back to where the girl had been, she was gone. Instead, there was a dog on the sidewalk, precisely parallel to where the girl was sitting in the street. The dog was looking right at me when I noticed it, almost like it was waiting for me to see it. Then, it just turned around and trotted up the hill in the other direction. After a few seconds, the shock wore off and we sprinted back to Danny's house and spent half the night looking out a second story window toward the street. I don't know what I saw, but Danny saw the exact same thing. I've always felt like there was a reason it happened or a reason it showed itself, whatever it was, to us of all people. Last thing, the house in front of where the girl was seen was haunted. I lived on that street for 10 years and four or five different families lived in the haunted house during those 10 years. All of them said it was haunted. I have a couple stories about that too, but this is already way longer than I wanted it to be. Anyway, thanks for listening if you made it this far. Please let me know if you have any theories on my experience. I worked as a bartender for about five years. I would usually get out around 3 a.m., 4 a.m. on weekends. One bar I worked at was next to a small portion of the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. It was a Saturday night. Some of my friends would usually hang out with me at the bar until I got out. We were all talking and I was moving some just clean glasses around. I randomly looked outside and saw two red dots in the woods, about maybe four inches apart from each other but evenly leveled. So I'm staring at these things thinking, what the heck are those? When all of a sudden, the two dots rose up about seven feet in the air, and I could see that they were probably eyes, because I saw a silhouette shape of something crouching underneath them when it suddenly stood tall. It was blacker than the darkness surrounded in the woods, so it was the darkest thing I've ever seen. Suddenly, it turned to his left, and started walking further into the woods. Of course, none of my friends saw it, 
I didn't have time to point it out, so they don't believe me, but I know what I saw. I really, fervently, don't believe in the Jersey Devil. After this encounter, I remember my 7th grade science teacher told me about actually someone interacting with a Bigfoot-esque creature in South Jersey. I also read some stories similar to mine in an issue of Weird New Jersey magazine taking place on Delcy Drive on a stretch of about 50 miles. They had reported red eyes as well. This was a recollection shared to me by my paternal aunt. This happened when she was a little girl. In the past, it wasn't uncommon for some Navajo families to be very large, 8 to 10 siblings on average. Being the youngest, she recalls that it was her and her older siblings' duty to herd the sheep to their summer camp in the mountains. The kids were sent on foot with the flock and sheepdogs. Many households had single cab trucks if they were lucky, so it would be unfair for the parents to take some kids and not the others. So only the parents rode in the vehicle and would await the kids at camp. Hauling water and packing summer clothes and essentials, such as imperishable food items. The majority of the RAS didn't have any water or electricity, and no paved roads at all. She said it took a little under two days to walk on foot all the way to their sheep camp if they took a shortcut through a canyon. On the first day, the sun is beginning to hang low in the sky, and they decide to make camp. She explained that, back then, there were many Hogans scattered across the res that didn't have permanent inhabitants. They were built with the same intentions as the reasoning behind hunters' cabins, to temporarily provide shelter for hunters, or in this case, sheep herders. She said that these Hogans often had corrals for wary shepherds to house their sheep or livestock for the night and continue on their way the next day. Ranchers and locals would upkeep these safe houses sporadically. She remembers clearly being instructed by her mother which Hogans were meant for that purpose, and the ones that had people die in them and were off limits, making them uninhabitable according to Navajo tradition. In place of a door, there was a tattered, moth-eaten blanket hanging from the doorframe. On the inside of the east-facing entrance was a plyboard. It was meant to be leaned up against the doorway and prevent wild animals from entering when occupied. Her older brothers gathered wood and started a fire. The smoke went up the stovepipe in the center of the Hogan. She remembers everyone being fatigued and tired after a long day's march. The dirt floor provided a familiar and comforting smell. They laid their sleeping bags out. The plywood board was put up against the doorway. The brothers found long logs to leverage against the board. Staring at the smoke escaping through the smoke hole, she could see the stars and the dark night sky. The smoke hole was unusually eroded away, making it seem wider than typical smoke holes. The dirt piled on the ceiling of the Hogan was probably eroded by wind and rain, not being maintained regularly, just packed down with fresh mud. The fire was just embers now. As she was drifting off to sleep, she said the sheepdogs that had accompanied them just started going crazy outside, howling and barking. She hears the thudding of a horse running around the Hogan. She is startled by a loud thud up against the board at the entrance, but the brothers had braced the doorway correctly and it doesn't give out. Then she hears a thud on top of the Hogan roof. Dust and debris begins falling from the old-fashioned Hogan roofing under the weight of whatever was walking on top. Her older brother, who was closest to her, whispers in Navajo to close her eyes. She said curiosity got the best of her, and she kept them open. Rocks the size of gravel started falling down the stovepipe. The skinwalker was deliberately throwing heavy rocks down the stovepipe, making loud metal scraping noises as they fell into the Hogan's fireplace. In the dark, her eyes dart from the low-glowing embers of the fire. Upward, following the deep blackness of the stovepipe and out the smoke hole, there were no glowing eyes, as she would have expected, just the silhouette of the head and torso of the skinwalker peeking in. She described it as having ears on top of its head like a coyote or dog, but the ears weren't of the canine variety. The ears were elongated and pointy. In the darkness, she said they looked like donkey ears, 
but were positioned on a coyote-like head. She spent a few moments frozen and staring at the creature, never having seen anything that resembled it in nature. It was unaggressive and only watched them for a while, eventually dismounting from the roof and the familiar thuds of horse hooves off into the distance. The dogs howled and whined after it, but they never left their post at the sheep corral. I was on a 41-foot sailboat in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay with about seven other men doing a shakedown test cruise. We planned to be out for about 12 hours. It was the mid-80s, not as reliable weather prediction resources. We got caught in a tropical storm, winds gusting into the 50-mile-per-hour range, just this short of a weak hurricane. We had just barely rigged storm housers and storm sails because the one fellow on board who was the best sailor sensed the storm was almost on us. Otherwise, we would have died. During the storm itself, I expected to die at any time. In fact, we made a Securete call on the radio. If you have time at sea, you know what I'm talking about. If not, it's not that important. For what seemed like 15 minutes, we were in a maelstrom. No visibility, but then it passed, and we would live. This was at about 3pm, and although there was cloud cover, of course, the ambient light was such that you could see two miles in any direction. If you're familiar with the sea, you know that such storms, particularly in shallower depths near land masses, dredge a lot of things up from the seafloor. We're all on deck, working lines, checking damage, etc. And the bay around us is choppy and churning and foaming. Old-timey sailors often use the saying, the sea is confused. I look about 15 feet off the starboard side, and something swims to the surface, breaks the surface, looks at us, and then submerges again. It was like a thin man with humanoid shape. Arms articulated like a man, a human head, but its skin was covered in scales like a snake. It looked at us, blinked its weird, heavy-lidded eyes, and then dove back under. So maybe you need to know a few things about me at that moment. No drugs, no alcohol, no injuries. I was elated because I was glad to be alive, but my senses in that situation were sharpened, not dulled. I had, at that time, about six years experience on ships and fishing boats, and had seen squid, octopi, flying fish, sharks, skates, etc. all around the world. I was not the type of guy to see a patch of seaweed and call it a sea monster. I made an instant decision that I was not going to say anything. What could I say? I just saw a strange creature, take my word for it. The men on this boat were all mechanics and engineers and professionals. Why get a reputation as a flake? At the time, it was important for each of us to get a D-skipper or OOD qualifications, and saying something like that would be frowned upon. And as I stood there in my life vest, soaking wet, hooking onto the steel lifeline, glad to be alive, one of the other sailors, a U.S. Navy captain with over 30 years experience in the surface Navy, piped up and said, I just saw a brown thing pop up on the surface. It looked like a lizard man with a scaly face. It blinked at us with these big eyes, and then it went back under. Yeah, I saw it too, I said. No one else said they had seen it. Then we sailed back to the pier later that day, and didn't speak of it again. First and foremost, I have to say that I don't care if you believe this or not. This is not a campfire tale, but a true story based on two encounters I've had during my lifetime with the creature known as Dogman. I won't disclose the location, but I will say, I've lived in Middle Tennessee since I was born in 1986. I've heard thousands of different stories and lore about the land that we lived on and surrounding areas. Ever since I can remember, I've been roaming and exploring the woods that surround our property since I was 8 years old, and I've had two encounters with this creature. Once when I was 14, and once this year, 2020, at age 34. During my first encounter, I was walking with a friend. We'll refer to him as Ronnie. Ronnie was 3 years older than me at the time. I was 14, he was 17. We knew the woods surrounding my property like the backs of our hands. 
We had been squirrel hunting for many years back there, along with just roaming and exploring. Ronnie had been telling me stories about demon deer. I figured that he was just attempting to scare me while we were deep in the woods. Coincidentally enough, when the wind stopped blowing, we noticed that there were no noises. No insects chirping, no birds tweeting, or squirrels barking. Just dead, eerie silence. In all my experiences in the woods, this gave me the sense that we were close to a big predator. Honestly, the biggest game that could possibly be in this area is a big-ass white-tailed buck. I mean, maybe a black bear, but those are way more common in eastern Tennessee. There was an instant where Ronnie and I heard what sounded like a woman screaming while she was being murdered, which we later wrote off as maybe a bobcat or something. We both started looking around to get a sense of the surrounding environment. After a few minutes of no wind and no noises, the tops of the trees west of our location started to sway. As we listened, you could hear this noise every time this thing jumped from one tree to the other. The trees were swinging, groaning, and popping under the momentum of this thing's weight as it launched itself from one to the other. To be honest, I have no clue what the intentions of this thing was. I'm not sure if it was trying to intimidate us, get our attention, or maybe just get a closer look at us. But Ronnie and I were not waiting around for this thing to jump to a tree above our heads, so we sprinted out of the thicker brush, stumbling onto an old logging trail. We could hear this thing following us by the sound of the trees again snapping and popping, as this thing was now swinging on the trees that were literally 20 feet away. We were so terrified because there should have been nothing in those woods with the ability to swing and launch itself from tree to tree, moving like that. At the time, I hadn't even gotten a glimpse of whatever was swinging on top of the trees and sounding like a 600-pound wood-roaming gorilla. We didn't stop to look. We just ran. We bolted down the old logging trail all the way back to the road and down Ronnie's dad's driveway and into his house. We never spoke a word of it to anyone. Hell, we didn't even see it. What would we even say? Fast forward 20 years. I'm now 34 instead of 14. Up until this second encounter, I had no idea what it was that scared the holy fuck out of Ronnie and I that day in the woods 20 years ago. The current date is August 14, 2020. I've been chilling in the backyard, smoking some killer pot, and burning this godforbidden pecan wood that barely burns, unless you have a very hot fire already going. The fire pit sits about 15 feet from the edge of the tree line. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, you were smoking pot. You probably hallucinated this. I've never hallucinated while smoking marijuana, and I'm a psychedelic advocate. I've dropped LSD numerous times, along with smoking DMT and MDMT, and never, while even on psychedelics, have I ever seen anything close to this. As I'm relaxing by the fire out back, I hear a loud pop. I instantly snap my head up to look in the direction that the branch-breaking noise came from, and that was the instant I first laid eyes on this thing. I blinked two or three times to make sure I was actually seeing this. Standing at the tree line, 15 feet from my fire, was a gigantic black outline of what looked to be a wolf standing on its hind legs. I was shocked at the sighting, but I noticed very fast that I did not feel afraid. I did not feel negative energy coming from or off of what I can only describe as a literal 8 foot tall walking wolf. I didn't feel the sense of evil everyone talks about. I actually felt relaxed and at peace with him being so close to me. As I looked closer, I noticed that his hair was very well maintained. I didn't smell any obnoxious odors or smells of decay and death as many others have described. This thing looked civilized, tamed, intelligent, advanced, 
Hell, I'd even say the thing looked enlightened, with a knowledge I was totally unaware of. Its eyes were not amber, as other encounters described. This creature's eyes were fluorescent blue, mesmerizing to be quite honest. As I looked, I noticed it had three braids in its hair on the side of its head. It reminded me of a Native American style braid because of the turquoise thread that was laced in between the hair and the braid itself. It looked like this thing was very well taken care of. That's why I say it looked advanced or maybe even just in tune with its environment. After a few moments staring, it took off faster than anything I've ever seen before and almost unnatural on two legs, but at the same time, so fluid and effortlessly. I feel like this was the creature that Ronnie and I encountered that day in the woods 20 years ago. I think it was just curious with us. It didn't give off any vibes of harm or danger, just curiosity, maybe bewilderment. I have looked at the woods, and the world for that matter, very differently since August this year. This is something I encountered when I was about 9 years old in late 2005, early 2006, so my memory is a little fuzzy on it. We moved into this modular home, think a trailer, but on actual brick foundation, in a rural part of Virginia in the summer of 2004. It was me, my mom, my dad, my older sister, her husband, and their child, which is my niece. I stayed home alone a lot after school and on weekends due to everyone having to work and my niece going to the babysitter's house. It was never that big of a deal because my grandma lived right across the driveway. We lived down a long gravel driveway that was off of the main road. I can't remember exactly when this occurred, but it was after my dad died in April of 2005. I was home alone after school one day, watching the Weekenders on Toon Disney with my little Pekingese poodle mix, Clyde, in my lap while eating some pizza rolls. All of a sudden, our huge, and when I say huge, this dog had no business being as big as he was considering what breeds he was mixed with, a golden lab boxer mix, Rudy, that we kept chained in the backyard, started to bark. Not his usual hey, I'm out of food of water, or squirrel bark, but it was a violent, scary bark. I looked out the sliding glass door that goes to the backyard and see him at the end of his chain trying to break loose and get at something in the woods. I can't really see what he's trying to get at until all of a sudden, this creature walks out of the woods and stops right at the tree line. It was about four foot tall, and walked on all fours. Its body was similar to a bear. It had brown fur, but its face was its most distinct feature. It was solid white and completely flat. It had two black slits where its eyes should be, no kind of nose to be seen, and its mouth just hung open, a black void with no tongue or teeth that I could see from where I was. It looked in my direction, and I remember just being overcome with fear and dread when it looked over at me. I started to shake, I was so scared. Before I could even get off of the couch to get to the landline to call my mom, it just slowly backed into the woods. Rudy was barking and growling the entire time it was standing there, which was about two minutes total, and it was at least ten minutes after it left my sight before he finally started to calm down. I called my mom, my sister, my brother-in-law, my aunt and uncle that lived behind my grandma, and then my grandma before somebody finally answered. She told me to walk over, but I was too scared to go outside, so she came and got me. As a kid, I called it a white-faced anteater, and my family just dismissed it as me seeing things, even though my dog had seen it too and was trying to get to it. My uncle told me, it was probably a big ass possum, but I knew damn well what a possum looked like, and that wasn't it. To this day, I'm 23 now. I still have nightmares, where all I see is this thing standing in my yard at the tree line, staring at me.
I always wake up screaming and sweating, and my girlfriend has to console me. Has anyone ever seen anything similar to what I described? I would be interested to hear about your encounters and stories. I swear that there are some form of wolfman, dogman, werewolf, shapeshifter, skinwalker, whatever you want to call it, living in my home province. I've heard them, and I swear I've seen them. I grew up out in a rural community, where the closest kids were a 10 minute walk away. We always had wildlife living in our backyard, from bears to coyotes, owls, foxes, even skunks and porcupines. I was very familiar as my father was a hunter and taught us the sounds and tracks and even the awful smells of the life around us. I'm 20 now and live in a large town on the outskirts of the city. I remember the first signs starting around the age of 14 or 15. I would be trying to sleep with my window open at night during the summer and I would hear these mutilated howls. Howls I've never heard the likes of before, which would terrify me into slamming shut my window, closing my blinds, and locking what I could around the home. I would spend time outdoors or walking home from the bus stop and see massive paw prints or sometimes barefoot human prints on the sandy gravel road. There were these moments of awful stench my mother would always claim it to be just the coons in the compost bins again, but there was no way on earth that that's what it was. I began to spend less and less time out there due to feeling watched and unsafe. I didn't know what else to do. My dad left my mom and my stepfather was a city man who thought I was simply scared to be out there because I'm a girl. There was one event three years ago when I was 17. We had a family friend who had a camp 40 minutes out into the middle of nowhere. And of course, being myself, I wanted to go and hang out with all my friends near my age. So we went. No cell service, no plumbing. All electricity was solar powered, outhouse, and all camp on a lake. None of my friends were there, and all the adults went down three camps off for drinks and I was stuck with all the kids 13 and under. Free babysitting, am I right? Anyway, to the point. I had settled in and was reading a book with my flashlight while the kids were watching a movie on their tablet. What's the point of camping if you're on electronics? When I heard the sound of someone in the driveway, of footsteps on the gravel, I got up from my book and went to see if it was one of the adults from the group but as soon as I stuck my head out the door and noticed an awful rotten stench, the sound stopped and there was no one there. I swear I'd never felt so chilled as I did that night. The hair on my neck was raised and I slammed the door shut loudly and locked it. That night, when the adults were back, we paired up to go to the outhouse before bed. Of course, myself and the family friend were the last two out there. I had done what I needed to do and was waiting for my friend. That's when the twig snapped and the chills were back. I saw movement. A large, dark, almost black, dog-like shape was off in the tree line. I froze. It was darting around, so fast, I wouldn't have believed the speed if I hadn't seen it myself. My friend came out of the outhouse and the latch snapped my attention from it to her. She was concerned about how pale I was, but when I tried to point it out, it was gone. We went inside, and all throughout the night, I could hear howling and barks and sounds from outside. It reminded me of like when hyenas laugh. But every so often, there was an awful, deep choppy howl of a sound. A sound no coyote could make. It wasn't the scream of a dying rabbit or the laughter from a fox. It wasn't natural. It was twisted. I tell you this because about a month ago, I was out with my boyfriend for a light night drive all on the coast. 
off a distance from the city. While he was driving and we were talking, we both saw something massive. It was dark, almost black in color, dog-like in structure, and there was an awful, unforgettable smell in the air. We both were shouting and sped off away from it. I convinced him it was just a black bear, but there was no way. It was far too large and thin for a bear in the late summer. I know it was that thing. But anytime I tell someone about it, I'm told that I'm crazy. I'm just hearing coyotes, as we don't have wolves in our province. Should I be worried? Scared even? We live in a town close to the city. I wouldn't think it would follow us here. But I can't help but feel anxious. Am I crazy? What the hell is that thing?